Bones are amazing things. They hold us up, they support us, they make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin, but they still reveal things to us. As they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table, the story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Hello and welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater. My name is Jeremy and for this one shot, I'm going to be playing Javier Rivera. My name is Aaron and I am going to be playing Antonio de Lombardo. My name is Johnny and I'll play Jacques. And my name is Jordan, and I am going to be the game master for this new one-shot that we're recording. We are going to be playing Zorro, the role-playing game. So we've been really excited about this particular game for a while. I think the Kickstarter was actually in 2019. It was successful, yay, well, obviously, since we have the book. And it was actually a new edition of the old D6 system that we use from West End Games, but it has been updated and modified and streamlined a little bit. So uh, West End Games is back and working again. Yeah, it's, I think, an imprint of a group called uh, Nocturnal Publishing, and they're also teaming up with Gallant Night Games. Gallant Night Games has done a lot of D6-based games, Tiny Frontiers, Tiny Dungeons, Tiny Heroes. So a lot of games in that particular mold. And so they've taken their expertise in D6 gaming and they've kind of streamlined what we were presented in Open D6. They're developing a second edition of the D6 system and they're going to be releasing that in the future. But for now, we have Zorro. And Zorro is an interesting choice. It was not one that I thought of immediately as like a good role-playing IP but they made it work for them. And so not everybody is playing Zorro. It's kind of like Star Wars. Not everybody is playing Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker, anyone like that. Actually, the main characters are going to be Zorro's assistants, agents that he sends out when he needs people to help out, but he can't be there on his own. So as we uh, already introduced, uh, we have Jeremy playing Javier Rivera. Aaron playing Antonio de Lombardo, and Johnny playing Jacques. Now, let's go ahead and go around and have everybody just uh, share a little bit about the template that they chose and, um, and go from there. Uh, Aaron, since you're unmuted, we'll go ahead and... Oh, I forgot to mention, unmuted. Yeah, so because of the current social distancing regimes that's happening in our home state, uh, we have opted not to meet in person. This is actually the first time that we have recorded over the internet. And so it's going to be a little different. You might hear things a little different in terms of the audio quality. We're still going to try and put out a good show and we're going to try and, and do the production values that, that you've come to know and love and we have come to know and love as well. Back to Aaron with Antonio de Lombardo. Tell us about your character. So specifically, I chose from the game book, the Charming Musician template background on my character was my parents were servants of a don and donia and 
because of my parents' position, they were able to get me into uh, music lessons with the Don's children and some of the other lessons, but music is really what resonated with me. And it was crazy because the Don, when I was, I don't know, about eight or nine years old, and when I was in the lesson, I accidentally broke one of the strings on their child's guitar. And the next week, I had been expected um, that my, my parents were going to be put out uh, from service because, you know, it was a string when I, you know, I wasn't really supposed to be in the lesson. But the Don actually presented me with their own guitar rather than the response that I expected. So he presented me with that guitar, and that is now one of my prized possessions. It's the guitar that I continued to learn on. But with my parents being servants, I have seen the plight of the little people, of the servants and the the people who are downtrodden in, in the region. And so it resonates with me, their situation. That's more or less my character and my brief introductory of my background. All right. Johnny, let's go ahead and switch over to you and go ahead and tell us a little bit about Jacques. Alrighty. Uh, well, the template I chose was the Rabble Rousing Rebel. Say that times that five times fast. Yeah. <laughs> so background is uh, my father is American. My mother is French. Spent time in both America and France. Uh, revolution is in my blood, or I'm pretty sure there it is. The people would rise up only if they had a brave leader like Washington or Robespierre. Is that leader you? Are you far too modest to say? Or are you? So yes, my mother is French. My father is a Spanish-American. I'm very charismatic. People listen when I speak. How did you make your way out to Los Angeles or Los Angeles? Well, like I said, my father was a Spanish-American. Mm-hmm. And so he was actually working for the governor. Gotcha. And he was... uh arrested under false charges and killed while he was in prison. Uh, okay. So you might have a little bit of... Um... So, yeah, I'm trying to overthrow the, the leadership of California. Okay. How'd you go, come to work with Zorro? I met him at a uh, uh, gathering that I was trying to get people enthused about the idea of overthrowing the government. And he uh, pulled me aside after I left the crowd and tried to persuade me to help him out and pursue a slightly less brazen path sometimes less brazen okay gotcha let's go ahead and talk to javier rivera all right so yeah uh my character i chose a template of the thieving scum my character grew up as a servant playmate of a young Danya, and i guess uh at some point in the relationship we got into an argument because she had feelings for a young don who was going overseas and we had an argument about it and then i was cast out of any uh dealings with the family so um from there i just put some of the skills i had learned to the street and have a distaste for nobility and use those skills to relieve of some of their excess. Um, I got a bit of a temper and I know I have a temper, but at times I still prefer to just punch somebody in the nose. Don't we all? <laughs> awesome. And so it sounds very much like you're, you're a bit of a Robin Hood type of character. Yeah. So Zorro, he would have appealed to you quite a bit in terms of his own goals and how he sees that justice 
should be worked out, not just for the, those who have money or power or influence, but also for everybody. Right. Uh, except I met Zorro because I actually stole something from him and he ended up tracking me down and forced me to tell my story to him and he kind of guidance and direction on how my skills are better used for, for good than not for just for a personal gain. Gotcha. All right. So one thing that the, the system does let us do if we wanted to, it lets us create a hideout. Would you all like to create a hideout for your characters to be based out of? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's go ahead and take a look at the hideout. So where is your hideout located? There's generally three types of locations. There are urban locations, like in a town or a city. They're great for travel, secret meetings, and quick escapes. There are country hideouts. Um, they're nearby to the more urban areas, but they're harder for the authorities to locate. And then there are also like locations that are wild. They're far away. They're not very easy to get to. So they do provide a lot of secrecy, but and they let you rest for a long time or study or train or whatever you want to do, but they are harder for you to get to as well. I like the cave. I like, you like caves. You like caves? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What do you have in your cave? Like, what are some features that you have? A uh, supply of food and stuff that keep us for a few weeks. So, like a larder? Yeah. Do you have any kind of like learning supplies or? I would say there's a, a library there and probably a dedicated place to practice of the martial variety. So we're not going to be shooting rifles or, or guns inside of our cave, but <laughs> definitely a place for sword and sword fighting and sword practice. And you all have knives. You're all dagger toting. <clears throat> I'm more of a sword wielding, yeah. but yeah. Now, is this cave. Does it have a tunnel network or anything like that? Like where you could pop out yes. in different areas? Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say that we also have a place where we keep our extra clothing. So we are all kind of sneaky people. Right. Um, and so we all tend to have our own set of outfits for some of the characters that we have to play when we go out and about on missions. Sounds good. I would imagine like this is your bat cave. All right. So previously, you all were working with Zoro on a very specific task. What was that? I do not actually recall the task because my job in the task was more or less just to show up at the door of the local Don's manor. Uh, his villa, and my job was to keep him entertained and occupied while other activity was happening. Now, was this Don, was he doing something that was illegal or nefarious, or were you just trying to keep his attention while something was happening on his property? I would say all of the Dons, in my opinion, the vast majority of the Dons are doing something illegal or nefarious. So... If I were to guess, yes, he was definitely under doing something illegal and or nefarious. Definitely nefarious in regards to how he treats his servants. While I was there, I also slipped a little bit of extra money to some of the servants before I left. Sounds good. 
Jacques, you were actually with Zorro while Antonio was distracting the local Don. What were you and Zorro doing? We were actually prepping his stables to be uh, invaded the following night. Who was invading the stables? The policia. Oh, so local law enforcement were going to actually come and raid the stables. Yes. Any, any particular reason why? They were searching for clues to who Zora was in the stands of stables. They've already searched the house one time. Why did they think that there was information in the stables? Uh, and we'll go ahead and throw that to Javier. Because the Don was bragging that he had a horse that he knew Zorro had used previously. Did he actually have Tornado or did he have another horse? It was a different horse, but the Don was bragging that he had a run-in with Zorro and got him to get thrown from his horse and actually was able to capture the horse. And there were some materials in the saddle, which could lead back to the identity of Zorro. Gotcha. Antonio, while you were performing, what distracted the Don and made him go outside? So it was actually two things. So I'm actually a well-known musician. And so when I showed up, it was unexpected, but he was more than welcome, more than happy to have me come in and play some music for his family. But the part that really distracted him was when I started flirting egregiously with his daughter and asking her if she would like to attend me on a walk or show me around the the, the villa grounds. And at that point, he became quite irate. And if I had kept it up, there would have been a duel. Uh, He was um, definitely not happy that this lowborn, born of two servants, was trying to seduce his daughter and not only seduce his daughter but seduce his daughter directly in front of him and so that's how i kept him distracted yeah i would say that the trying to seduce his daughter right in front of him would have been a very bold move and it was but so the 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 don is not known for maintaining his attention very long and so i knew that just the music wasn't going to work i had to think quickly on my feet when i could see that he was starting to become distracted especially when some of the horses horses in his stable started making some noise he was he was definitely about to to get up and uh, go investigate and that's when i kissed his daughter and it was a sight the way his face got red um, his hand inching towards his sword it was not it was not going to be pretty i would have hated to have killed him it would have been a tragic thing if you had killed the Don rather than just distract him. But sometimes you need to take things a little more actively. Yep. Jacques, why did you and Zorro nearly get caught? Because the horses started uh, making a whole bunch of noise that we were not prepared for. We were uh, doing our best to be quiet. But uh, one of them actually got out of its stall and started kicking and winning and making a whole bunch of noise. So it was touch and go for a minute until you were able to get things settled down. Correct. And Javier, how were you actually able to calm the horses down? You're asking a bunch of city boys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Me, personally, as a, as a player, I'm allergic to horses, so I don't spend time around them. So I have no, no idea what to do with horses. So 
let's say that I was actually not in the stable when they first started to make the noise. I was on my way back to the stable. I was actually obtaining an item from inside the villa. And I happened to be coming out of the kitchen area when I heard the noise. So I ended up taking some food from the kitchen to try and get the horse's attention and get them to, to calm down. Gotcha. And how did you get Antonio out of the jam so you all could make your grand escape? And this is for both Javier and Jacques. Because Antonio is getting himself into a lot of trouble trying to, to kiss the Don's daughter and flirt with her right in front of him and, and everything like that. So after we were finished, I uh, came around to the front of the villa and I went up to the uh, door and I went into my spiel about trying to recruit the Don and a rebellion against the governor, which gave Antonio a chance to uh, slip away. All right. So you all managed to get Antonio out of this situation, which was a little closer than he wants to admit to going south. I would have been fine. Sure. The young lady thought so too, but you know, she's not the one who makes the rules. So you all actually get the horses calmed down enough to sneak off into the the fields. And it's the dead of night. And Zorro says to all three of you, thank you so much for the assistance that you've provided tonight. Now that they will not find any information and we know that the horse that they said I had was not truly a part of my stable. I have something to attend to elsewhere. Go ahead and return to Mission Los Angeles and keep your eyes and ears open for any trouble that might occur while I am away. And with that, he goes over to the tree where he had tied up Tornado and he rides off into the nighttime with the moon behind him as he reaches the crest of a hill Tornado goes up on his hind legs and paws at the air a few times and then boom, takes off. The end. End of one shot. Thank you very much. No, just da, kidding. Da, da, da. Yeah. No, that's the end of the prologue. That can't be the end of the prologue. There's no massive explosion. There's no character standing at windows watching the city d- dissolve into chaos. Uh, it can't be the end. You know, somehow, though, things when you're on a clandestine mission that goes properly... Sometimes it just works out better. Maybe if you had like an actual masked bandito who is actually skilled at these kinds of things, things would go better for you in the the rest of the the RPG sessions that we do. Unfortunately, that's not the case at this time. All right. So you all are returning to Mission Los Angeles. You make sure that you get far enough away from the Don's Hacienda so that you're not going to get noticed if you set up camp or anything like that. But once you do that, you, you do need to return. The tavern is expecting its local musician to come in for a few sessions during the busier parts of the day. There's also recruiting that needs to be done to the revolution. And then whenever there are people around to be recruited or to enter, be entertained by music, there's always pockets that need to be picked. So you all are returning. Seems like a nice sunny day. Everything is going smoothly. But there seems to be a lot of activity as you all are coming into town. It seems that a lot of people are actually heading over towards the plaza. There's a lot of excitement. You can hear people saying, 
Oh, the Capitan is here. Capitan Ortega is here. What's he going to be like? He's got an announcement to make. What's going on? And everybody in town seems to be gravitating towards the plaza. Large crowd of people, close quarters, everybody bumping into each other. I love it. No, yeah, no one's really paying attention to what's actually going on with their, with their pockets or their bags. You know, so you could probably make a good amount of change by going towards the crowd as well. So, except his basin, he's uh, kind of leaving everybody else behind, I guess. <laughs> sounds good. I would, I would say Antonio is is definitely interested, um, because not only is there a, a new notable to meet, but Antonio will also not pass up the chance to play in front of a crowd, and so. Okay while he is riding towards the uh, towards the plaza, he's pulling out his guitar to play as he rides. So that just leaves Jacques. I'm just going to hang out at the back of the crowd to hear what the captain says before I uh, try to take over the congregation. Before you actually can make your, your own particular speech. Yes. If the captain's coming, that means the police are all around, and I don't generally try to do my speaking where I can be um, arrested. There's no fun in being arrested. You no. tried it once. Or twice. Or twice. Yes. So you all head to the the plaza. And Jacques, it's easy enough to blend into the crowd, into the background, so you're not very noticeable there. Let's go ahead and have Javier go through and try and pick some pockets. Excellent. All right. I'm looking for people that are obviously well-dressed, in a group together. Okay. And you do see you do see some of the noblemen and their senoras and senoritas all gathered together. You see some younger dons, uh, some of the younger ar- aristocrats who are just looking around and commenting. And you hear some, some people saying that they expect Capitan Ortega to be just and fair and uh, to have a mind open to listening to everybody as you go through the crowds. All right, are there any, any young children making their way through the crowd? There are a few young children. There are some, you know, like younger members of nobility who have their children with them. There's also some of the, the working class, and of course there are some, some of the native children who are, are there as well, who tend to work in the fields and all that. All right, what I want to do is try and uh, look for the opportunity where it looks like a working class child would kind of be trying to push past the group of nobles and I'm going to pursue it as if I'm in pursuit of this child because this child has taken something from me and in doing so brush past these nobles and actually take something from them. Okay. All right. That sounds good. That should be a moderate task for you. Assuming that would be sleight of hand. I would assume so as well. All right. So I have 5D in sleight of hand. This boy brushes through uh, in between two of the nobles. And as he does that, I reach my hand in between the two of them to try and reach and grab for the boy. And I'm calling out, hey, boy! And as I slide past, my other hand is actually trying to pick the pocket of one of the nobles. Okay. And I got 16, 18. I got an 18. All right. You are able to go ahead and dip your hand into... The person, you're able to actually snag seven dinero, which is no small sum of money there. Okay. Do you want to keep on trying to cut some purses, or would you like to call it good there? 
I'm going to call it good for now. For now. Jacques or Antonio, do you want to do anything or are you good for the moment? Is the Capitan on stage or, or on a platform or is he there yet? No, he is not there yet. Everybody is gathering <laughs> around, like, but they're in like the eastern part of the plaza. The western part has been kept open and there are some guards that are standing about a few meters apart between them, but they're like forming like a, an open area at the end of the plaza. So I'm going to ride toward where the Capitan is supposed to be expected. Okay. And uh, get off my horse and perform. All right. Performance is actually going to be a little more difficult at the moment because everybody is, is preoccupied by the arrival of the new Capitan. They are also talking amongst themselves. There's a lot of noise in the plaza. So if you do get a crowd together, it will be a, a little bit of a feat. Okay. What would you like me to roll for that? I have charm. I think that would I, I think that would probably meet what you're looking for at this point. Oh, and I got a six on the wild die. Sixteen, twenty-one, twenty-two. So you succeed in performing. You have a really great guitar that actually sounds pretty amazing. Like this guitar that was given to you as a gift has a, a, a real deep resonance to it. So it projects really well and it can be heard over the noise. It can even be heard over the train that is passing by. So uh, it's quite a guitar. Yes. And correct me if, if I'm wrong, Wild Dye worked differently in this edition, is that? It does. So okay. you would have gotten a success with just a 15. So if you get a six on your Wild Dye, then you get an additional hero point. Okay. Yeah, so I got a six on the Wild Dye. So, so the options are to have it explode or to get a hero point? Let's say that the difficulty is at a 15 and you had rolled a 13, but had gotten a six on your Wild Dye then it would have exploded. If you had rolled above a 15 and you had rolled a 6 on your wild die, then you would have gotten a hero point. Okay, so yes. So let, let's back up for a second. So I rolled a 6 on the wild die. So with before I exploded the wild die. Yes. I had 18. Right. So instead of rolling extra dice in that situation, and I wish I had caught you before that, you would get a hero point from that. Okay. So now you should have two hero points rather than just one. So, exceptional success, gain a hero point. Yes, correct. And since you weren't really doing anything that was super plot critical, you were just entertaining the crowd at this point, like as part of the setup, then it doesn't really need a super exceptional success. All right, well, now that we have seen the amazing guitar of Antonio, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. At nerdstalking.com, we have explosions. We've got beautiful women, tropical locales, fast cars, money giveaways. Do you want a new TV? Just listen and you'll get a free TV. You want a DeLorean? You listen twice, we'll give you a DeLorean. Uh, Chad, we can't afford any of that. What do you mean? It's too expensive. Well, what are we supposed to do then? We just talk. Nerdstalking.com. Subscribe now. Or else. And we are back. So, as you are performing, 
Jacques, are you, what are you doing? Are you just like looking around the crowd waiting for things to happen? Or are you trying to find some people that you've talked with before who are sympathetic? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to gauge the mood of the crowd and I'm listening to see what this new uh, captain has to say. I know the captain is going to be sympathetic to the government, but I want to see how the crowd reacts to him. So go ahead and have you roll your very single die in perception and see what happens. Three. You do hear some people just talking about how some of the nobility have gotten letters saying that the new Capitan is going to be just and is going to be fair, but you know how that really goes. There's nothing that they're going to do that's going to make a difference for the real people of Los Angeles. It's only lip service and nothing is actually going to go properly. Of course. They're appointed by the king of Spain and he doesn't know what's going on over here. The governor knows, doesn't know what's going on here. The viceroys don't know what's going on here. The church is just making things worse. Yep. It's just a mess. The soldiers do whatever they want, and they say that it's in the name of the king, but in reality, they're lining their own pockets with the wealth of the people. Yes. So you're following this mental rabbit trail. Yeah. And you just don't notice as the guitar music is swelling over the babble of the people's voices, and, and your friend seems to be chasing a young child for no apparent reason, but... <laughs> Yeah, just let them do their thing. They're doing their own thing. You'll catch up with them back at the cave. Yep. While all this is happening, you all see a cart coming into the cleared out area of the plaza. And there's a soldier who, who's actually sitting in the driver's seat of the cart. And he's got the reins in hand. And there's someone in a dress uniform is standing in the back with two other soldiers and there appears to be somebody else dressed in all black in the back of the cart. Their hands are bound behind them, and there seems to be a black bag over their head. So you say they're dressed all in black, as in, like, are they in some form of monks or priest or uh, religious garb all in black, or does it more, look more like a thieving scum all in black? It looks more like a thieving scum all in black. Okay. And as the cart comes into the plaza, you hear them say, pay attention to Capitan Ortega. And the crowd begins dying down. And the Capitan jumps from the back of the cart and he comes out in front and he starts pacing like military leaders do in front of people on parade. It's just like very pompous and very puffed up and ready to go. And he starts yelling at everybody, ladies and gentlemen, I am Capitan Ortega. I am here to make a difference in Los Angeles. You see here in this cart, the scourge of this mission, the scourge of California, the blight upon the dons and donias, and the end of justice for all men and women in the king's land. Here in this cart, it's the first order of business, the first success that I have as your new Capitan. I give to you Zorro. How are you guys gonna try to move close to the cart? Okay, uh, sounds like you're getting a little sneaky. Stealth? Yeah, just to move through the crowd with ease without causing too much suspicion. 
All right, I have 6D in stealth. Okay. While he's rolling, does the crowd cheer or what when he says Zoro? Some seem to cheer. Those who have had problems with Zoro in the past seem to be rather excited by this. Some just seem to be shaking their heads like, I don't know what's going on. And some seem to be downfall, like crestfallen about it. I got a 21. Okay. So you are able to move through the crowds. I'm imagining that you're working your way along towards the outer side of yeah. the open uh, area. Right up the middle, no. And the person does seem to be dressed in black. It is a man, a similar build to Zoro, but maybe a little bit smaller. Now, question, would we as assistants of Zoro know Zoro as just Zoro, or would we know who Zoro is? You do not know him as Don Diego. Okay. In, in fact, probably Jacques would be quite put out to realize that he was actually helping one of the despicable Dons. And also probably, probably Antonio has less than charitable feelings towards the Dons. And Don Diego is basically known as the laughing stock of Los Angeles. He's known as being a, a really lazy, indolent fop who doesn't really do much. He's one of the wealthiest men in town, but he spends his days sitting in easy chairs, reading books, sometimes writing really kind of sappy poetry. If he has to actually do work, then it, he considers it to be a real bother. Everybody just kind of poo-poos him and thinks that he's not really doing anything that's serious. But they do recognize him as one of the sons of a major landowner. And so he does carry a certain amount of cash within the local society. Zorro, on the other hand, is completely opposite in personality. He is very industrious. He is very noble. He has done a lot of good for everybody. And not just for the little people, but also for members of the aristocracy who seem to treat their people fairly. So there could be nothing more different between... Don Diego and Zorro. So you do not know that Zorro is actually Don Diego in disguise. Okay. But you can see that the person seems to resemble Zorro to a certain degree. How much of the crowd have I maintained? Is the entire crowd paying attention to the Capitan or do I have anybody's attention? Well, you're not the main event. I'll just put it that way. So I have nobody's attention. Essentially. Everybody is now kind of focused on the Capitan. Here's the deal. It's like when the guys with guns show up, you listen to what they have to say. Even though the entertainment was quite interesting and good for the first part of the afternoon, it's not really what you were there for. And when a new person comes into town, especially a, a new person of rank, it is always an interesting experience. Okay. Are you trying to get somebody's attention? No, I was going to make a quip against the Capitan. But if nobody's paying attention to me, I probably wouldn't. Okay. Uh, I'm actually probably kind of put out that they all stopped paying attention to me because I'm definitely a bit of an attention seeker. You're a needy, needy individual. Yeah, a little bit. Fair enough. How many guards are around the person they're claiming is Zoro? We'll say that there are seven guards in the plaza itself to like do crowd control. Then there's the soldier who was driving the cart. And then there are, there's one soldier that's standing on either side, one on his left and one on his right of Zorro. All right. Javier's going to try and cause a distraction. He's going to okay. try and cause 
a little kerfuffle argument inside a brawl in the, his section of the crowd. All right, sounds good. So basically, as he's going to pass by somebody, he's actually going to give him a like a cheap shot like from behind in the kidney area and just keep moving on by to try and make it look like the person behind him. All right. Like he was hit by somebody else. Just this kind of like a, a glancing blow. Yeah. Would that be deception or deceive? I mean, it sounds like it would be a little bit more physical than that. Well, he's not actually trying to hurt anybody. He's just trying to basically, you know, like you tap somebody on one shoulder so they look in that direction. He's going to try and hit somebody and then move away so they can turn around and think the person behind him hit him. Okay, okay. Yeah, I guess I could see that as deception. Okay, so that's 4D in Deceive. Six, ten. I got a 15. Uh, that is a success. All right. Excellent. How, how do you do this? Is it like a quick elbow to someone's kidney or? Yeah, as I'm, I'm still stealthily trying to work my way towards the edge closer and closer. So as I'm going to pass by the, oh, conveniently, here's, here's a big guy in the crowd. I'm going to elbow him mm-hmm. and then keep moving on by. And then when he turns around, there's somebody different standing behind him. All right. So the guy you elbow a little bit in the back, he's not somebody you've recognized before. It looks like um, a farm worker or, or maybe a cow herder that has just recently come into town for, for work or something like that. So he turns around and he's like, who was that? And it was a really, really gruff voice. And he starts like wading through the crowd looking for whomever was ungentle with his person. Is this noticeable that he's like kind of shoving and working his way through the crowd? It does seem to cause some agitation. Like while the Capitan is speaking still, there does seem to be not a significant portion of the group, but you know, it does seem to be causing a little knot of confusion. Okay. Then since everybody is not paying attention to me, I'm going to pick up a rock and throw it at somebody in that group of people and attempt to do so surreptitiously. Okay. So is that going to be straight throwing? Yes. Uh, 11. Okay. So you managed to throw a rock, but it sails over the crowd's head and uh, actually breaks a window in a building behind you, which causes a lot of concern because glass is expensive. Okay. Does anybody do anything? You can see someone, like a shopkeeper, yells, who broke my window? And he starts, like, shoving his way out of the crowd. But it seems like he was fairly close. Okay. Then I am going to double down and try again. Okay. So just for the sake of the audience, double down is where you you spend a hero point, if I'm not mistaken, and then you get to re-roll your dice. It does not say that you spend a hero point. It just says when an action fails, the character can double down. When a character double down, doubles down, they narrate how they retry their efforts, and the GM will work to help them find a narratively suitable reason they can try again. Okay. And I guess what it would look like, as this rock goes sailing, I can see that it's not going to hit the intended target, and I'm going to, like, you know, wince and kind of duck down so no one can see that I threw the first one. And I'm going to move kind of a few feet to the right, and attempt to do the same thing. Okay. And why not? I'm going to spend one of my two hero points to double my die. Uh, 
I got 24 and a 1 on the wild die. Ooh, a 1 on the wild die. That brings about a complication, if I'm not mistaken. If the action would be successful but a complication occurred, the GM can either introduce a complication that makes the success only a partial success and reward the hero with a hero point, or the GM can cause the action to fail and reward the character with two hero points. If the action would have failed and a complication occurred, the GM rewards the player with one hero point and then introduces a complication that will accentuate the failure. So we'll go ahead and say that you get one hero point. Man, it's a shame Jeff's not playing with us. Jeff would have tons of hero points. <laughs> I know. It, actually, in, in that regard, for people who, for some reason or another, tend to roll ones on their wild die, they tend to you know, do better on getting the hero points. But unfortunately, Jeff was not able to make it today. So we'll go ahead and say that you're partially successful uh, and you managed to actually hit the same guy who started pushing their way through the crowd, getting a little riled up about that. Okay. And it glances off the top of his shoulder and he's like, who hit me? And he turns around and between the one rock that sailed into the glass and shattered the glass and then, you know, the one that bounced off of this guy's shoulder, it seems like the crowd is starting to get a little bit more agitated. What do the guards do? Their attention drawn to the crowd now? Yes. The guards that are closer to where uh, this action is happening, is ac- they actually start pushing their way through the crowd, trying to subdue this individual who seems to be about to, to start a bit of a fight. So Javier, at this point, I guess would try and sneak all the way around to the back and see if he can somehow get to the hooded figure. Okay. Is that stealth again? Uh, Yes. 17. Okay. So you are able to go ahead and sneak around to the back of the cart. The two guards that are in the cart with Zoro seem to be crowding closer to him. Like they don't want, you know, him to try and make an escape or, or someone to try and grab him or anything like that. Okay. Jacques, are you doing anything while the crowd starts to get riled up? I'm... Actually, I'm just one of the regular people in the crowd. I'm grumbling about the uh, this new guy and who does he think he is, trying to stop Zoro, who helps our people, and mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get people's anger riled up against what's going on with my words while I you know, act like I'm just one of them. So you want to go ahead and try and inflame the crowd just like Antonio and Javier? Yeah. Looking at your character sheet? Go ahead. Yeah, that would be a persuasion roll. And while he's rolling, is the person they have as Zora in the cart, are they, is their hands bound in front or behind? Behind. Excellent. So I got 16, but a one on the wild die. So you'll go ahead and get a hero point. All right. And you are successful in gaining the attention of the crowd, but the soldiers who are wading into the crowd, they mm-hmm. hear you, and they seem to think that you might be the one who started causing the issues that got the attention of the large, loud cowherd. And so they start angling towards you. Oh, that's not good. No. I start angling away from them. <laughs> okay. It sounds like you're trying to maybe sneak away. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> With my 1D. Yeah, that's great. Two. Two. <laughs> Not successful, but at least it wasn't a one. But if it was a one, I would have gotten a hero point. That's true, and you could have spent a hero point to double your roll. Yep. So while you're sneaking away, you actually see that more soldiers have come from behind and are starting to move through the crowd from the back. 
And uh, at this point, like Capitan is yelling that everybody needs to calm down, that their behavior is completely unauthorized, that they need to turn over any people who are fomenting problems and any Zoro sympathizers must be dealt with. So while the attention is sort of everywhere in the crowd, Javier's going to take this opportunity to try and sneak up behind and just cut the hands free. Cut the hands free. Okay. That's going to be a very difficult task because there are two soldiers who are standing right there guarding his back. Right. So everybody starts with a hero point. I'm going to use it to double my dice. Sounds good. Target number is 30. 30. Oh my gosh. All right. We can do this since it's stealth. While you're rolling, I think one of the nice things about the new wild die and complications functionality is it encourages you to actually spend your hero points. Yeah, it does. Oh my gosh. Oh, if you guys could see this, this is ridiculous. One, two, three, four, five, six, sixes. And that's half my dice. All right, so you succeed. Did you get a six on your wild die? No, I had a two. (laughs) Oh, at least it wasn't a complication. Yeah. All right, so go ahead and narrate how you succeed in, in like, sneaking past the guards to to do a quick snip on the ropes. Well, I can imagine that as the crowd started to get agitated, they closed in on front and started to press him towards the back of the cart. Mm -hmm. Um, So Javier just came up behind the very back of the cart and just, with his knife, just reached up behind, cut the rope, and then slips right back down. So... The ropes fall to the floor of the cart and Zoro, his hands become free for a second and then you kind of see him like grasp his wrist together like they're still tied. I mean, Javier's thought press, if it's Zoro, all he needs is his hands free and we'll be good to go. He can just grab a sword or a gun and we're, we'll be on our way. So he seems to be holding on to the back of his hands and all of a sudden drops to his knees like... It doesn't look like anybody has touched him from your perspective, but he like makes it look like he's been kicked in the back of the leg so that he falls down. And the soldiers, they kind of look down at him like, what's going on? And like one of them reaches down to like grab him by the arms and his arm kind of pulls backwards like the guard wasn't expecting that, obviously. But he seems to be staying perfectly still. Like he doesn't seem to want to leave the cart. Let me go ahead and make a perception roll for the soldiers to see if they notice. First one does not. The second one does. Actually, he got six on his wild die. The left soldier notices that the hands are untied. He reaches down and he grabs the rope and he sees that it's falling apart. He yells out, Capitan, rebels! And they grab Zoro by his arms and they pull him up. They begin frog marching him off the back of the cart. Like they jump down, they push him in front of him, and they start taking him back towards the jail. And the, the Capitan just seems to be absolutely incensed. He's yelling, he's screaming. The crowd is starting to get really worked up. He says, tomorrow they are going to unmask Zorro. They are going to execute him. And he wants the heads of anybody who is known as a suspected Zorro sympathizer delivered to him on a platter. And uh, the guards just start pushing the crowds back and telling everybody to disperse, to go back to their homes. And it doesn't seem to be a very good end to this meeting in the plaza. 
Javier's just gonna work his way back to the cave then, I guess. Antonio would likely do the same. Actually, before he leaves, he would use those powerful lungs that he has that he uses to sing, and he will shout out, Capitan, I will get them for you, since I'm kind of close towards the front. I will find Zoro's sympathizers. Just to let him know, I can be trusted. I will make sure that they come to justice. Okay, go ahead and make me a deception roll. All right, I got 5D in deception. Thirteen, fourteen. It doesn't seem like he hears you. It's just like one off. Okay. So the crowd is yelling and screaming and, and getting pushed back. And Jacques, what are you doing? I'm uh, trying to get to the as middle to the crowd as I can. Okay. So it's harder for the soldiers to see me. Sounds good. You don't want to be identified as no, they, they, they already know who I am. So Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't want to be uh, arrested again. Again. It wasn't from the first 500 times, you know. And Antonio, you said you were heading towards the cave along with Javier? Yes, I'm going to, because I figure if they have Zoro, we need to get him out of there and figure we're all going to meet up and discuss how best to either break into this prison or sneak Zoro out or if it's really Zoro. Sounds good. So we'll go ahead and say that uh, you all are able to sneak away or evade a capture for the time being. And we'll go ahead and say that episode number one of the Zorro miniseries has been completed. Thank you so much for listening to Bone Throwers Theater. Thank you for listening to Bone Throwers Theater. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. That means that you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you would like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at Bone Throwers Theater, and also you can look us up on Facebook. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production. <laughs>